Amen. What beautiful words. That song is magnificent, taken straight from Scripture. And I love that we can pray as Jesus instructed us to pray that His will be done, that God's will be done in our life. What I love even more than that is that our God is a relational God. That this, when we pray to Him for His will to be done, that He actually interacts in our personal life. That we can pray His will to be done, but it's out of our relationship with Him that He acts. He gives us a free will for a reason. He wants us to pray according to His will with our free will that His will will be done. I was reading in my one-year Bible this week, um, Proverbs 8, and these words just stood out to me so clearly. I wrote them in the margin. Wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from God. Not earthly wisdom, not human wisdom, godly wisdom found in His Word. Wisdom stands at the crossroads of our life. She takes her stand at the crossroads. And when I think about a crossroads, it's like if you're driving the car, I'm visual and I don't do maps. So I am literally in my mind at a crossroads. Do I go left or do I go right? Do I go north? Do I go south? Like where do I go? And this is our wonderful, relational, loving God. You might be at a crossroads this week. And I felt very um, instinctively to pray for people who are having to make decisions today. And I want you to know God is a loving God and he's on your side. I know we've got a big game today. There's a couple of teams happening. Well, God is on your team. Isn't that good? Who, who wants God on their team? I want God on my team. And if you're watching at home and you've already got, uh, you're watching a little bit of pre-football stuff and you're watching church, God is on your side. He is on your team. I was thinking, to, you know, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's. Uh, here's, another, here's another beautiful little song. Jesus loves me, this I know. So don't you get all sad. If you don't have a Valentine, you have the most loving, amazing God. He'll never disappoint you or let you down. And we recently, yeah, amen to that. And here's wisdom, here's wisdom. So we've got a couple of weddings coming up in our family. One is in six weeks, I can't even, whatever. It's like coming up really soon. The other is later in the year. And I was thinking about the son, the twin, B2, both, thinking about how, how amazing this season is because Valentine has been very sad for him over years because he's a beautiful, handsome, loving, kind, God-loving young man and dateless. But here's what I love. He was dateless because he exercised wisdom at crossroads. He had opportunity to, to date anyone and to, you know, to basically like throw away his life and he made a choice. I'm waiting for the one. Okay, he waited 14 and a half years, but he's marrying the one he has had his eyes on and his heart towards, and, and here it is. So when it comes to tomorrow, I want you to think about decisions and help people in your world not be sad about, about a Valentine's holiday. Jesus loves us, this we know, amen? So I'm gonna pray specifically today Obviously, we want to pray for you, whatever is going on in your life. If you need a healing in your body, if you need a relationship to be restored, you need your finances to be flipped up the right way. Wisdom is a friend to us for everything we need. So let's pray together and believe God for His will to be done.
Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for your amazing love and grace towards us. Thank you, Lord, that, that you are on our team. You're on our side. And Lord, as we cry out and we ask for your wisdom at the crossroads of decisions in our life, Lord God, let us hear your voice loud and clear, knowing which way to go, Lord God. And sometimes whether it's just to stand still. I thank you, Father God, for speaking to every heart and life here today watching at home and in this auditorium. We thank you according to your precious son's name, Jesus. And everyone, if you want some wisdom in your life, let's say amen. 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 We could always do with some more. So we are so happy that you're here today. And um, now is a great time if you want to go say hi to somebody and take your seats as we welcome you to Newport Church. going to continue our worship this morning uh, as we bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord and we've got a video that we would love you to watch if you turn your eyes to the screen right now and prepare for your offering as we present that to the Lord after the video. So peaceful. I love our new uh, campaign and on uh, every seat back pocket there is one of these engage cards. 
giving you ways that you can engage this year. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan launched our Engage Vision campaign for this year as a church, our theme of engagement, and he's going to be bringing a message to us this morning in just a moment. Uh, let me pray for you as you've got your offering ready. Uh, there are ways that we can give shown on the screen so you can see that there are uh, many ways that you can give. Whatever you do, give with a cheerful heart to God. Bring our tithes, bring our offerings, because what we are here for in our community is to be a blessing. And when there is food, natural food and spiritual food in the storehouse, then we can actually do what we are meant to do. Amen. Let's pray together. If you've got your offering there or if you're pressing the button on your phone, um, I'm going to pray for a blessing over your life. Father, I thank you for your word that says that when we bring our tithes into your storehouse, that there will be food in the house and that you will open up a window of blessing over us so much so that we can't contain it. We thank you, Lord God, for rebuking the devourer when we bring our tithes and offerings, Lord God, that not only will we be blessed, Lord God, but you will keep the enemy at bay in our finances. We thank you in Jesus' name. I bless every family here, every family represented here, those watching online. I thank you, Father God, for the faithfulness of your people giving towards your mission on planet Earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Awesomeness. Okay, so we are so excited. I personally am very excited to hear Pastor Jonathan's message this morning. So if you would stand to your feet with me. And we're going to honour the Word of God and welcome Pastor Jonathan as he comes to bring it. How are you? Good morning. You may be seated. So glad that you're here in church this morning and... Uh, it is a special day because uh, there's a football game on today. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday is a big day. But I'm thankful that you're in church. I'm thankful that you're watching online because we've always said in this church it's not either or, it's and. There was a big soccer game on for me this morning. I recorded it. I will go home and I will watch it after. The good advantage of that is the anticipation goes longer. And we all know that the, the enjoyment is in the anticipation. So glad that you could be with us. Also, tomorrow, Di's already said Valentine's Day. So uh, yes, happy Valentine's Day. And uh, we, uh, of course, happy Valentine's Day to everyone here. But something we want to do this morning uh, is to pray for the Palmer family. And if you'd like to come to the platform, Jacob, Brittany, and all their tribe, the Palmer tribe. Paxton tribe Wyatt. Come on, Turn give them up. a big welcome. Now, as they come, I just want to share a little bit about Jacob and Brittany. Of course, they're much loved in our church, been a part of our church for many years now. And uh, they have a fantastic family, three boys. They're going to end up with a whole football team of boys. And um, they are, how many years is it that you've been here? 10, 10 11 years that they've been here. They've been a great part of our team, served uh, on our team, 
uh, in many different capacities, including our kids' pastors, and then as our service pastor and Brittany being involved in our worship team. And uh, just recently, and this has happened very quickly, so we haven't had a lot of time to kind of process it and celebrate. Not that we want to celebrate you moving, <laughs> but we want, to, we, we want to express our love to you both. Um, and they're moving to Austin uh, in a state called Texas. Anyone ever heard of Texas? Um, but uh, they're moving there. And they prayed about it. They really feel like uh, God has opened a way for them to go. And we want to bless them as they go. They've been a blessing to us. And we, we want to bless them. And I know that God's got his hand on your life, on both of you. We're real sad to see you go. Why do you want to leave us? I don't know. Um, but before we pray for you... Um, like, I, I want Di to share a couple of words. I said earlier in our team meeting, I said that um, I'm praying that Jacob, you know Jacob had a dream in the middle of the night, in the wilderness. When I think of Texas, I think of the wilderness. And I'm just kidding. He had a dream in the middle of the night and God spoke to him in that dream. I'm praying that God will speak to you in a dream and say, go back to the land of your fathers. Go back to California. Well, who knows? It could happen. It could happen. But we want to release you. We want to bless you. We love you. We have a gift for you that we want to give to you from our church, from Pastor Di and I and our church. And uh, I want Di to come and just share a couple of share a couple of things. Come on, Di. Um, I was reminded that the day after Wyatt was born that I had a word of encouragement for you, Jacob. You all right? And I was wondering if Jacob was going to come to church because he's got a newborn baby, like, overnight baby. And I remember you came, you had glasses on, which meant you had tired eyes. And I gave you a specific word that I've still got in my journal, and it was about you being Caleb and about being... Um, so Joshua and Caleb, do you remember specifically what I said? You said that you said that I represented the spirit of Joshua, and there were six things that you wrote on a note that you gave me that I have in my Bible that is somewhere back there. I wish I had it and I can read it, but yeah, you told me that. I still have a video of it on my phone. Yeah. A different spirit. There was a different spirit on you, and I, um, I just was thinking about how beautiful it is when you sow and you give your best to God and then when he shifts your geography, it doesn't shift the sowing and the planting. And I also, on, um, so we want you guys blessed because this is, it's so beautiful to be blessed. You should be blessed. On Thanksgiving Sunday at the end of last year, I was praying up the back and while Pastor Jonathan was praying up here and I felt very distinctly that to go and pray for Brittany who was here with baby baby who's staring at me baby Turner and I just put my hand on her back and I said father God give this woman the dream of her heart to own a home give her the dream of her heart at this time there was no movement towards Texas that we knew of or that they even knew of and I'm like father God you can do anything and you bless this family look at this family they are your first generation of awesomeness 
They are incredible people. And so I, here I am praying for this house. And I'm like, oh, wrong state, Father. Wrong state, wrong state. But you know what? It is the right state for you guys now. We, are, we, we, we celebrate with you. We do. We love you. And the fact that you've got a home. Um, so this is a little something towards, I don't know, Target or wherever you like. Turner, you can have this. And I just want to say one thing. May you always have door three in your house. May the kids come in from the community. May your, house, may your storehouse be full. May you have two refrigerators at all times. May the door be open in Jesus' name. And you be a blessing at the church you guys go and plant yourselves in. We love you. You're always welcome back here at Newport Church. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to pray, pray for them. Father God, we thank you for Jacob and Brittany. We thank you for their boys. Thank you that the hand of God is upon them. And Lord, we thank you for the season that they've been with us. We, are, we bless them as they go. May they go blessed. May they come into this new season blessed. And Lord, we thank you for all that they have sown. And we believe, Lord, that as they go, you're going to make a way for them, that you're going to order and direct their paths. And we thank you for all that, that, uh, that you have built in them and through them over these years lord we know that as they go others will come and others will put their hand to the plow just as jacob did and others will sow just as jacob did even in a time of famine and lord we believe that you will cause them to prosper your hand will be mightily upon them may they flourish in the courts of god and may they know the rich blessing of god that adds no sorrow we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. We love you. All right, come on, let's give the Lord a big hand and let's congratulate them. So good. You may be seated. And you know, the, the, some, that life is like that. People come and people go. And I, I, I'm a pastor. I don't like people going. Um, and, uh, but I know, I, I know that that's the ebb and flow of, of the kingdom and that we are family and we'll continue to, to see them over. You know, they will come back to California, I'm sure. Give them, you know, to visit. Like I said, I'm praying they move back here. But they will come back to visit. I mean, you know, they've got to get out of the... The, that frigid weather in Texas. Can you imagine this last week, 80 degrees, 91 degrees on one day? How many people love that kind of weather in summer? That's, that's my kind of weather. Um, but no, I'm, I am believing that as we sow them, what does the Bible say? As you sow, so shall you reap. Let's believe God that, we, that in this next season that we will reap that God will bring new people, put their hand to the plow, just like I prayed. I felt like that was a prophetic prayer. God will put, bring new people, put their hand to the plow, new people who will sow, new people who will stand alongside us in this season of rebuilding and engaging and re-engaging and moving forward into all that God has for us. And, uh, and at the same time, they will be a blessing where they go. Amen. Can you, can you pray with us? This week, can you remember to pray, God, we sow them 
But Lord, we believe that we're going to reap a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. There's a pulpit here. Okay. Obviously, it's time for me to speak. Let's thank those, these guys here on the platform. Okay. Well, um, I need to take my watch off because normally we have a monitor up there and we have some kind of technical. Oh, I, I have an iPhone. I can, no, no. That is my iPhone. No. iPhone goes on and off. Um, so this way, the old-fashioned way. I remember these things, watches? I've had this watch for 25 years. This year we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, Di and I. And we bought each other tug watches on our honeymoon. Um, and uh, I've worn this every day ever since. I've never taken it off. It's a sign of my undying love for my wife. Um, I want to speak this morning, um, and I have a lot that I, uh, one of my biggest problems is that I always have more to share than I have time, or your tolerance of listening to <laughs> what I have to share. But I want to talk about um, spheres, levels, and measures of engagement. Spheres, levels, and measures of engagement. I was reading my Bible the other day, and of course, this year, our word for this year is engage, and, and I've been making a conscious decision in every single area of my life to engage with greater focus, with greater intentionality. And so I was reading my Bible, and I was reading through, and I'm at the end of, that was at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew, of course, is the gospel that focuses on the kingdom of God. And I got up to the last chapters, chapter 24, 25, which are the last discourses of Jesus. And in chapter 24 and chapter 25 of the gospel of Matthew, Jesus begins to talk about the second coming of Christ. Now, if you're not aware of this, and I'm sure that you are, but maybe if you're new to church life, the, or new to the Bible, Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he will, he will establish a kingdom here on earth. Right now, since in between his first coming, 2,000 years ago, and his second coming, God is establishing a spiritual kingdom which is preparing or making the way for a physical kingdom when he returns that he will establish and the bible tells us that he will rule from jerusalem and the good news is that you and i who are faithfully serving him today will serve him in the new kingdom and when god establishes his kingdom but jesus begins to talk about the second coming chapter 24 25 and he there are five parables um there's the parable of the the fig tree, there's the parable of the, the uh, good and wicked servants, and then there's the three that I want to focus on today, which is the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, or we could translate it today, the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids. And uh, then the next, uh, the next parable 
is the parable of the talents, which we're very familiar with. And then the next parable is the parable of the sheep and the goats. And so I want to take a moment to touch on those and look at the levels of engagement that the spheres, levels, and measures of engagement that we find in those parables, but to overlay it with a passage from Second Chronicles, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, where we can measure the level of our personal engagement. And that's always good, isn't it? Uh, to do some self-analysis, to do take a moment to look at ourselves. And so I, I'm, I'm going to paint with fairly broad strokes uh, uh, today, and maybe in the coming weeks in the future I can revisit some of this. But I want to, I, I want to, uh, you know, hopefully I will pose more questions than I give answers. Ever notice that Jesus yeah. often posed more questions yeah. Yeah. because he wants to engage us right. in seeking. He wants to engage us in asking. And so here we go. What's significant about these parables is that they're all about engagement. Jesus is coming back for a, a church and he's looking for people who are engaged with him who are engaged with his kingdom purpose, who are engaged in what he is all about. And these parables very clearly tell us that Jesus said, you don't know what day I'm coming. You don't know what hour I'm coming. I know when I first got saved back in the uh, last millennium, <laughs> literally, uh, 44 years ago uh, that I came to Christ. I, and, and everyone, uh, 1978, everyone thought that Jesus would have come back by the year 2000. Yeah. And over here in California at that time, this was on the tail end of the Jesus movement and, and all that was happening. Everyone was sure Jesus is going to be back by the year 2000. Well, here we are, 2022, and we're still waiting. But the, the, the interesting thing is that Paul talked about that. 2,000 years ago, he talked about the imminence of the coming of Christ. And, and, and what that created was a sense of urgency. And you say, well, that's a long time to wait with a sense of urgency, 2,000 years. But the reality is that's how God wants us to live, in a sense of preparedness, in a sense of urgency, in a sense where we are engaged with Him. And so I've always said, I want to live spiritually as if Jesus is coming tomorrow, and I want to live naturally as if he's coming in a hundred years, so that I am building for the future, for my children and my children's children. But I want to live spiritually with that sense of imminence. And so these parables are all about engagement. The second thing is that they all deal with different spheres of engagement. The first one the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids is about, is, is about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, the, the, the second one is to do with the sphere of our talents. What are we doing with what God has entrusted to us? Are we engaged in using the gifts that we've been given? Are we engaged in using the resource that God has put in our hand, or are we sitting on it, or are we burying it 
like the one-talent servant. We'll touch on that a little more in a moment. And then the other thing, so the first thing is they're all about engagement. Second thing, they're all about different spheres, levels, and principles or measures of engagement. And the third thing is they talk very clearly about the results of engagement and failure to engage. Well, we, we, we don't like those pages. We pull those pages out of our Bible. No. We want to know what are the results of faithfulness? What are the results of engagement? What are the results if I'm not engaged? And Jesus, ever notice that Jesus never minced his words? Jesus was always very clear. And he spoke very clearly about the rewards. This year, in focus, uh, our vision focus is the word engage. And we've looked at three areas that we're encouraging ourselves, each other, to engage in. Number one, in our relationship with God. Number two, in our, relation, uh, our engagement with our church. And number three is our engagement with our world. And our engagement with our world is all that we are going to do as a church out of this church to reach our community, to reach our city, to feed the poor in Santa Ana, to, to start a service in Santa Ana, to uh, continue to do what we're doing, partnering with Bijou Thampi, who right now, I just saw he's just arrived in the U.S. from India. Um, he's with our great friends John and Leslie Siebling in Memphis right now. Uh, and, and, and to continue our engagement as a church and our mission, not just to touch our city, but to touch our world. So those are the areas that we're, we're focusing on. Um, and I want to touch on these without, obviously, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm painting broad strokes. But the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids is a story about the importance of our engagement in our relationship with Jesus. Very quickly, the, the, the uh, culture in those days was that when someone was getting married, the groom would leave his house and he would go to the house of the, uh, the, the, um, the bride. And he would be he would be accompanied by all his friends who'd been, who'd been clapping, who would be clapping and laughing and there'd be great celebration and music going to the house of the, uh, of the bride. And then when they got near to the house, the bridesmaids would come out from the house and they would meet the, all, the groom and all the groomsmen that were celebrating. They would meet them and then they would go into the house together. The wedding would take place and there'd be great celebration. So we have two weddings this year, so I'm going to see if I, we can do something about getting back to our biblical roots. But anyway, that's, that's, what, that's what the custom was. And this is full of great imagery, and obviously we could unpack this for weeks, just this one parable alone. But in broad strokes, first of all, the... The bridegroom here, or the, 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 sorry, the groom, the groom is Jesus. The, the, the symbolism in the story is the groom is Jesus. 
uh, the bridesmaids are the church. They are the followers of Christ. In the Bible, the Bible talks about Jesus is coming back for a bride, spotless, without wrinkle or blemish. The church is the bride of Christ. And so these bridesmaids are a picture of the church. They're virgins because they've kept themselves pure for uh, their future groom. And so the picture is a picture of the church. We are, we are uh, uh, the relationship between the bridegroom and the wedding is the marriage supper of the lamb that's going to take place at the fullness of time. But here's the interesting thing. The, 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 the word wise and foolish. The wise bridesmaids had oil in their lamp. The foolish ones had no oil in their lamp. They both went to sleep. The wise and the foolish both went to sleep. But when they woke up, the foolish ones had no oil. And the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And it's also a symbol of the anointing. And so we need the oil of the Holy Spirit and we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Let me tell you this one thing. If there's one prayer that I encourage you to pray for 2022 is, Lord, anoint my life with your presence. Anoint my life with your favor. Anoint my life with your provision. Anoint our church with your presence and your power. Because without that, we'll never be able to live our lives in the way that God wants to engage us in living. And so here they are. They've, they, they've run out of oil. And the story goes on that because of it, the wise uh, bridesmaids say to the foolish bridesmaids, no, you go out and buy some. And by the time they went out and bought it, it was too late. The door was closed and they missed the boat. They didn't get into they weren't allowed access to the wedding there's a very strong message in there about the importance of us staying engaged in our relationship with Jesus and there's one thing I I was thinking about this story and I, my mind went back to when I first became a Christian uh, 1978 and I was thinking about when I first got saved I was thinking about the feeling I had the that sense of oh my gosh my life has just been radically transformed and changed. And I was so, so kind of excited, just like someone, I guess, in, uh, you know, when you think back to when you first fell in love with your, your uh, partner or your wife or your husband, that, that, that first feeling. And, and, and I thought, well, what? I'm, I'm 44 years on it. This is kind of. I, I've grown, I've matured, I'm not living off my feelings. But I thought, I want to have that same passion. I want to have that same fire. Because the flame in the, in the lamp speaks about the fire, the, that fire. Is there a fire in my belly? Is there a fire in my spirit about the things of God? Is, am I burning on the inside with a sense of passion and life for Jesus? Because that's what Jesus is looking for. And that's what I want to be engaged in. And that's what I encourage. I'm encouraging our church, whether you're watching online or here, let's burn with a sense of passion for Jesus this year like never before. There's a sphere of engagement. And everything comes back to that. 
I remember as a young Christian, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Don't forget all the things that you've got to do. And But I remember as a young Christian just seeing a simple diagram of a triangle. And at the apex of the triangle was God. And at the bottom two corners of the triangle was male and female or husband and wife. And the diagram was that the closer husband and wife are both at the bottom end of the of the uh, apex but the closer of uh, bottom end bottom of the triangle I was never good at geometry <laughs> but as they get closer to the apex as they get closer to God guess what happens they get closer to each other the closer I get to God the closer Di gets to God the closer we get to each other and so sometimes we're focusing on the wrong thing. We're trying to get closer to each other when we should be doing that. But the key is the closer I am to God, the closer I'm going to be with her. The closer I am to God, the more excited I'm going to be when I wake up in the morning. The, more, the closer I am to God, the more, uh, uh, more vision I'm going to have in my life. The closer I am to God, the better husband I'm going to be. The closer I am to God, the more I'm going to fulfill what Corinthians says in Love, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love is not boastful, love is not arrogant, love is not rude, love does not insist in its own way, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, that's love. I'm going to be more like Jesus. And so number one, this year, the sphere of my engagement to get closer to Jesus. The second one, of course, is the parable of the talents. And here's the parable of the talents. Very often we, we, uh, we, we're very familiar with the parable of the talents. It's, it's one that uh, I think that most people know, but the story goes like this. A master goes to a far off land and he gives to three of his servants, one five talents, the other two talents, the other one talent. And he says to them, take these talents and develop them and one day I'm coming back and I'm going to hold you accountable for what I gave to you now I want you to think about that I am very keenly aware that one day I will stand before Jesus one day you will stand before Jesus and I don't ever want to be thinking about this and I don't want you as our church, I don't want our church to be thinking about this in a, with, uh, with, in a, in a, in a, in a kind of a legalistic way if, if I can communicate this in the way I want to communicate it. But I believe that I have to be accountable for the gift that God has given to me. Not just for my purpose and for my advancement, but for the advancement of his kingdom. Because the story is that the master entrusted the talents to the servants. He didn't give them to the servants. Now there's a big difference between being entrusted and being given. To be entrusted means it actually belongs to the master. Everything I have, everything we have belongs to Jesus. That's why when I bring my tithe into the house, I'm actually not giving God what's mine. <laughs> I'm giving him back what's his. 
And I'm honoring him with what's his. I'm giving him the first tenth of everything he gave to me. I'm giving it back to him. So the master entrusts his servants to one five, to the other two, and to the other one. And, and so the one that has five, he develops them. And the master comes back after a long time and asks for an account. And the one that's five says, here, here are the five you gave me, and here's five more. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, or enter into the joy of your master. And the second, the same. Here's two, here's another two. And then finally, the one talent servant said, well, I was afraid. I knew you to be a, a, um, a hard master, which was his misunderstanding of the nature of his master. And so I buried, here is, I buried the talent, here it is, I'm going to give it back to you. So here's a thought that I want to pose to you this morning when it comes to engagement. Well, that story is about engagement. The five-talent servant was engaged. The two-talent servant was engaged. The one-talent servant was engaged, but became disengaged. We're all engaged. We're all invited. We're all, Jesus says, come to all of us. We're all engaged. But what are we going to do with that, that invitation? Or what are we going to do with that engagement? Jesus, the master, gave him. So he engaged him in his service. He employed him, if you like. He said, here's the contract. Here's the one. I want you to develop that. And so the one who was engaged became disengaged. And here's a thought I want to leave with you. How much effort was involved in multiplying what was given and how much effort was involved in becoming disengaged? Was there more effort involved with the five-talent servant or the two-talent servant or the one-talent servant? And this is a question, this is what I want to pose to you today. I feel that the, the, um, the weight, the effort that was expended by the one-talent servant was every bit as much as the five and the two. You know why? Because he had to, he, he, he spent all that time, first of all, he dug a hole in the ground and he put the talent in the ground. He, he buried his talent and exposed his fear rather than burying his fear and exposing his talent. And then he spent the next years worrying about the return of the master and the stress and the pressure and the worry that was involved in his concern about the return of the master far outweighed the effort that was involved in the multiplication of those talents. That's why the Bible tells us that when we live our life God's way, we experience peace. That's why when we live our life God's way, we experience his presence. And that when we go our own way and we don't use the talents or we don't engage with God in the way that 
we, we have the opportunity to engage, we, it, it requires every bit as much emotional energy as using the gift that God's given to us. Can I give you an example? 44 years ago, I made a decision to accept Christ as my Savior. And I made a decision that day that I would be in church on Sundays. It was just like, okay, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays. Going to church in su on Sundays didn't make me any more a Christian than sleeping in my garage made me a, a motor vehicle. But I went to church on Sundays because I was a Christian. And I made a decision. And it didn't matter to me whether it was Super Bowl Sunday. I wasn't interested in Super Bowl then. I lived in Australia. But didn't matter if it was Super Bowl Sunday. Didn't matter if it was the FA Cup final in England. Didn't matter what was going on. Didn't matter if we had a family barbecue. Didn't matter what was going on. I went to church on Sundays. There was no stress or pressure. No conflict. No, no emotional energy involved. I woke up every Sunday morning and I went. I didn't face the, I didn't look out the window and say, oh, it's a sunny day today. Could go to the beach. Um, could go to that barbecue. I could go here or I could go there or someone invited me to this or will I go, won't I go? And then if I go, and, I, I, and I'm not saying I went every single Sunday for 44 years. There were one or two Sundays when I wagged church. Do you know what wag means? It means to, to miss it. This guy knows. Nicholas Lagerne knows. Um, and, and, and I spent the whole Sunday feel, feeling I should be in church. Now, I'm not being legalistic here. I'm just saying that the emotional energy that I saved myself, and I worked it out over 44 years, 52 Sundays a year, that's uh, 2,080 decisions I saved myself. And if I, if I probably, um, if I thought I'd spent five minutes thinking about it, which would be minimal, wouldn't it? Will I go, won't I go, shall I go, shan't I go? Um, five minutes, if you multiply 2,080 by five minutes, that's 10,400 minutes. That's a lot of worry. That's a, that could take some time off my life. That's a lot of worry. And then the, if you work out 10,400 minutes, and that's conservative, that's 173 hours. That's seven days, 24-7, yeah. of trying to, will I, won't I, will I, won't I, will I, won't I. Now, you multiply that by a whole lot of other things that if you don't make a decision, I'm going to be engaged in this pattern that's just a part of my life. When it came to tithing, okay, so I can add tithing to that. Every Sunday, will I tithe, won't I tithe? I can't afford it. I've got so many bills this month. I'm not going to be able to afford to tithe. Put all that emotional energy in over 44 years. I mean, my hair's already falling out, and now I've got one foot in the grave because I've worried myself into the grave about a whole lot of things that I don't need to worry about if I just set them into motion. Does this make sense? And then you add that to that, a whole lot of other aspects of, of the emotional energy in becoming disengaged or being disengaged or hiding as this one talent servant did. 
expends more emotional and spiritual and physical energy than engagement. So when it comes to my talents, when it comes to the time I've been given, when it comes to my talent, when it comes to my treasure, I want to make sure that I am totally and thoroughly engaged. Here's an interesting thing, an article that I read from the Cleveland Clinic uh, that did a, a, some research on volunteers. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come right now, if you would. That's, and I'm reading here a quote from the Cleveland Clinic. Studies show that giving can actually boost your physical and mental health. That's good news in today's world where many people are suffering from the emotional complications of a global pandemic. From volunteering at a soup kitchen to committing to raise money for a specific charity, health benefits associated with giving can include lower blood pressure, increased self-esteem, less depression, lower levels of stress, longer life, and greater happiness and satisfaction. Well, is that a surprise? Because the Bible tells us that when we, when we are generous, that when we have a generous heart, when we have a generous spirit, when we give of ourselves, give, Jesus said, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and that applies to every single area of our lives. People who give are happier. That's why the Bible says uh, when it comes to giving, uh, let no one give grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so giving biologically, it medically has been proven to make us happier. There is evidence that during gift-giving behaviors, humans secrete feel-good chemicals in our brains, such as serotonin, a mood-mediating chemical, dopamine, a feel-good chemical, and oxytocin, a compassion and bonding chemical. All of those are because we are engaged in doing what God created us to do. We are going with the grain of life rather than against the grain of life. And then finally, finally, can we just lower the level of the music on the platform? Thank you. Awesome. Finally, the parable of the sheep and goats. And here's the interesting thing about the parable of the sheep and goats. Jesus talks about in the, in, the, in the final judgment, God, the nations will come before him and he will separate one from the other. On the one side, the sheep, and on the other side, the goats. Um, now, I know that every day all sportsmen want to be the goat. Goat stands for greatest of all time. But in this parable, you do not want to be the goat. You want to be the sheep. Make sure you bleat like a sheep, not like a goat. And in this parable, they separate 
the, Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep, he says, I'm going to enter into the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the beginning of time. And to the goats, he says to you, you are destined to go to the hell. And God says that he prepared the hell that he prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you know that God did not create hell for people? God created hell for the devil and his angels. And when people say God sends people to hell, God doesn't send anyone to hell. The devil and his angels drag people into hell. And here's and 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 this is the differentiation. And 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 he says to the ones who are uh, he says to the ones who are who, who, who the sheep he says, you, this is why. And he explains to them, when you were hungry, you fed me. When, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Uh, when I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. When I was in prison and sick, you visited me. And, and, and the sheep say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in or... When, or needing clothes and clothe you. When did, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And so Jesus is saying, when we are engaged in the pain of our world, when we are engaged in the, in, in the lives of the hurting, when we are feeding the hungry with food with love, when we are serving our community, when we're opening our doors and we're, we're bringing hope and faith to people in a time when they need hope and faith, when we're visiting the sick, when we're visiting those in prison, when we're, when we're reaching out to people that are hurting around about us, when we are engaging with people in our world, in actual fact, we are doing it not only for Jesus, but to Jesus. He says, when you do it to the least of these, you're doing it to me. And I, I love that thought because I think about everything that we have in our hearts to do as a church. To reach our community, to be a hub of hope and faith, to... to be a place where people can connect with the world and engage with a world that is hurting. And in it, those three parables, all of those relate to us and relate to our vision of engagement for this year. The first, our relationship with Jesus. The second, our relationship with our church and using our time, our talent, and our treasure in our church. And then thirdly, all that we do for those that are in need. The vision that we have to make a difference in our world. And I love that line in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is talking about his return. And he says this, When I return, will I find faith on earth? And I think in, in, con in the context of what we're talking about here, I think we're hearing Jesus, I'm hearing Jesus say, When I return, Will I find my people engaged here on earth? 
engaged with God, engaged with each other, engaged with his church, engaged with our world. Because all of us have multiple spheres, multiple levels of engagement, and multiple ways that we can measure our engagement. This, this morning I didn't get to the part about how we can measure the level of our engagement. We'll do that later. But I want to encourage you to stand, if you would, for a moment. I want to take a moment to just pray as we close. Pray for you. Pray for the, the God to, to bless and anoint you and your year and your day. Thank you. And uh, your family. So, Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're a God who has engaged with us. And that you want us to understand the power of engagement. Engagement with you, with our church and our church community and our engagement with our world. I thank you, Lord, that, that you're a God who, who breathes life and hope and faith into each and every one of us. Lord, may we, in all that we do, in every interaction that we have with everyone, may we be people who are engaged and can bring a sense of hope and divine purpose to our world, in our day, in our generation. And may you find faith in us, in our church, and in our world, for the glory of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for a moment now. If you're either here in the service or you're watching online, you've not yet engaged in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to do that simply by praying this prayer. Jesus did everything. He was so engaged with us that he took upon himself our sin and the penalty that we should pay for our sin. He took it upon himself. And so... All you have to do is to accept what Jesus did and receive Christ Jesus as your Savior. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me. And I thank you that your blood that was shed on the cross forgives me of all of my sins, cleanses me. Today, I'm a new creation. This is a new day and a new beginning. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's thank God for his goodness, his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Did you receive the word today? Awesome. How many of you know that God is not in all of this? Because it's so easy, you know, when we're looking at these passages of Scripture to... They're, they're, they're big they're big thoughts. They're big subjects. God's, God's a God of grace and he's a God of love. God's not about legalism 
When I talk about, um, you know, a decision I made 44 years ago, that's a personal decision I made. I know some, you know, like there's weekends when we're not in church. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about making a decision. I'm setting a course for my life. And when we do that, it's amazing how it takes the stress out of our life. Life begins to flow. And that's the way God wants us to live. And he's not legalistic. Hey, if you're not in church on a given Sunday, no one's, God's not, you know. God's not got, I, I know when I went to church at school, there was a, there was a, you know, you got logged in, you got signed in at school. And I have a good friend of mine, and, and we take it in turns to log each other in when we weren't there. You know, so we, we checked us off as having been there. So God's not like that. <laughs> and that's not what I'm talking about. You understand that? You hear my heart. I just like, I'm, this, I made the decision, that's it. And it took all the stress out of it. God is good. Hey, who's going to win? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Who's praying? God hears the prayers of both sets of supporters. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Well, have a wonderful week. Have a great day tomorrow. And uh, look for... Oh, here's an important thing. Very, very important. I nearly forgot. Next week, I'm starting a new series called Worry-Free Finances. And it's going to run for three weeks. It's going up on the screen right now. There's an image that's going up there. It's going to run for three weeks. And I'm going to talk about how we can experience peace in our finances. How many people worry about finances? Well, you're in the, you're, you're unlike, we all do. We all do. Finance is the one thing that people worry, the thing that people in the United States of America and probably all over the world worry about more than anything else. How we can have peace in that area. And I want to talk about mindsets. Some people think it's spiritual to be poor. I want to talk about mindsets and how our spirituality is not connected to poverty. Our spirituality is connected to God's generosity and that he wants to see flow in and through our lives. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about provision. How many people would like provision in their life? Well, if you want God's provision, you need to follow his principles. So I want to talk about his principles for supernatural provision. You can either live by the sweat of your brow or by the dew of heaven. So I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about how our finance can have purpose. We can make a difference. We can leave a legacy. We can do something that will live on beyond our time. So peace, provision, purpose, worry-free finances. And on the last day, the third day, third week, um, we're going to have a generosity lunch afterwards. Uh, Michael's making lunch for us all. And we're going to have a great lunch afterwards, and we've got a special book that we want to give you as a gift. I want to encourage you to do what you can. Think, here's, a, here's, a, here's some homework for you. Think about someone in your life or your world who doesn't know Jesus, maybe doesn't go to church, who would really benefit from hearing some practical truths from God's Word about how 
they can experience peace in their life. This is a great opportunity for us to invite family, invite friends, leading up to Easter. And I'm taking a few moments here, but leading up to Easter, let's be inviting. Let's be bringing people. And this is a great opportunity. I promise you this. If you bring an unchurched friend, you will not squirm in your seat. I promise to bring a cringe-free message. You know why? Because I don't like squirming in my seat. So I promise it's going to be cringe-free. You will not squirm in your seat. It'll be helpful to your friends. It'll be helpful to you. And it's going to... It's going to hit a nerve that will really help people. Do you believe it? Father God, I pray for every person here. Bless each and every one as we go. I pray that in these coming three weeks, Lord, you do something good in our hearts, in our church, through this series. And Lord, today, as we go, I pray for your divine blessing and favor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Love you. Don't forget to give Jacob and Brittany a big hug as you go. Love you guys. See you soon.